Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. Legacy, and and I really want to, to, as I have been processing what has happened at Church of the Lakes in two and a half years, it's a little mind-boggling to be quite honest. Um, when you start talking about a, a two-year-old church that has given away three hundred and eighty thousand dollars in missions and locally and all, it's it's when I look back, like it's gotten to the place where I forget things that, that have happened and that God has done because there's been so many stories. Um, and, and, and so there's something to the reality of a legacy. I mean, I don't know how many of you guys come, but I come from a, a pretty dysfunctional broken home. Anybody else? And, and, um, and so the word legacy or that type of scenario for us, okay, this is going to drive me crazy. I'm being a little OCD, but I'm off center. Okay. Now I feel better. Um, but the, 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 the TV, anyway, anyway, but, but legacy, the reality being that, um, you know, some of us have shame when we start thinking about legacy, when we think about where we came from or even things that we've done and that type of thing. And, and I think God has called us to something more, no matter what your background is. I think that the devil likes to tell us, well, because you come from this background, you could never have that scenario. And I think that's a message that is pervasive really in all of us. It's where our insecurities come from. It's where our fears come from and our struggles. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about legacy and the reality that you and I, listen to me, you were created to make a difference. You were created to make a difference. Your life will never make sense until you learn that you matter. And that you're living to fulfill something that has already been purposed for you to do. If we, listen to me, if we don't define why we are on this planet, our problems will. There are millions of people living every day and their identity is based on their problems or mistakes or failures. It's why, listen to me, I love, love, love the outcome of AA. 
I love what they do in the 12-step process, but the one piece of it that I always kind of struggle with is that every time you show up, you say, hey, my name's Mike and I'm an alcoholic. And that's an identity. That's not who you are. That may be a mistake you've made or something you're still struggling with, but it's not who you are. You were created by God on purpose. And when we let our problems define us, we actually don't get to the things that God has actually called us to do. So we've got to do that. Listen to Psalm 112, 5 and 6. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice, the way we act and the way we behave. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pastor Mike. So you're telling me like I'm never going to be shaken. That sounds ridiculous. Listen to me. I am telling you. I'm not telling you things won't shake around you. I'm telling that God promises you that you can be unshaken when the shaking is going on around you. There is that reality that God has that, right? And he goes on to say this, listen, they will be remembered forever. That's legacy. So what is legacy? So a couple fill-ins there for you in your notes. Legacy, where my life lives on. Where my life lives on. Something stays behind. Something more beyond what is this 70 or 80 years that I have that is, that is my particular lifespan. But something more. And, and your next fill in there is this. Giving to something that will outlive me. Giving to something. That is, they, they, sociologists, and these are secular sociologists, created the chart of needs. Right? And so if you go and you take a college class, you're going to go through the, the sociologist chart of needs. And at the very top, what they've come up with is a word called transcendence. What that means is that I'm living for something bigger than myself. Living for something more than just the day-to-day. And how easy is it for us to get caught up in the paying the bills, day-to-day, same old, same old thing. And the next year it's five years, and the next thing it's ten years, and... Then we wonder what's ever happened to us. Your next fill in there is under legacy is living. So my life outlives me. So this is how, this is actually how you deal with the problems of this crazy world. How do, how do I deal with my problems? Listen to me. You're never not going to have problems. Like Jesus guaranteed that. Come on, pastor, be more positive. Okay. I'm positive. You're never going to not have problems. Do you understand? Like you're going to have problems. So how do we overcome? Well, you know what? You can't solve every problem. You, you, you can't solve every doctor's prognosis. You can't solve that person that you walk, you work next to and drives you insane. You, you can't solve every problem. So how do you overcome the problems? Well, it won't make them go away, but it'll help if you stay focused on something bigger than you. See, we all need to be living for something bigger than our problems. Cause whatever's biggest, you'll focus on the most. Whatever's biggest will have a tendency to define you and create identity for who you are. See, the the goal isn't to live on earth forever, but to leave something that does. For those of you who that struggle with the, uh, the idea of death, I need you to hear something. Heaven rocks. I did yesterday. I did, I did a funeral yesterday. For a 27-year-old young man who passed away in sickle cell. CJ, he was one of my youth for years. And then I was part of his funeral yesterday. At 2 o'clock today, I'm leaving here. I'm going over to Byers. And I'm doing a funeral for a 23-year-old that kissed, killed himself last Sunday. 
Listen to me. Problems are there. Struggles are there. Depression is real. All those things are very, very real. But the goal is in this life to live for something bigger than myself because death is coming. For some of us sooner than later, for some of us later, but it is coming. And it's not something for us to dread or struggle. No, I get, I promise you, CJ is 27 years old. He was full of life. Great kid. He loved to rap and make music. Just a cool, cool kid. But I promise you, if you could talk to him today and say, CJ, you want to come back? He'd be like, uh, I don't think so. Right? Because heaven is, is real. And it, and it rocks. And it's beyond this. And so listen, I, as your pastor, I see my job as the, one, of the, one of the analogies that's used is, is shepherd. Right? A pastor is a shepherd. That, um, to guide you in your life. But I want you to understand there's two parts to that. You know that whole term, YOLO, you only live once? That's not true. It should be you only live twice. Because you're going to live once on this earth. And then you're going to live out the rest of eternity in heaven. Like there's, there's two lives. There's not one life that you live. And so we live this life and we try to get everything we can out of it because we think that's all there is. And we don't, no, 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 no. There is another life that we're going to live. So I need to help you shepherd your life here. But I also want to help you shepherd your life in the life to come. Does that make sense? And the more we're focused on one or the other, the more we get off in what it is that our purpose and the reason we're here and what it is that God wants to do with us. We get wrong ideas about the concept of legacy. We think that quality of life is a definer. In other words, the more comfortable that I can be and the more comfortable I can make my kids, that defines a legacy. And I'm just telling you, that's not the legacy the Bible talks about. The legacy that the Bible talks about is leaving a spiritual inheritance and a reality for my family of knowing who God is and being able to overcome this world. Listen to Romans 14, 10 through 12. You then... Why do you judge your brother and sister? Why do you treat them for contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will account for ourselves and for God. There is coming a day for everyone. Everyone. Where they will bow their knee. And they will acknowledge Jesus is Lord. And they will give an account. In other words, let me say it to you this way. There's a final exam in heaven. How many of you guys are lousy test takers? Any lousy test takers here? Yeah, man, I'm like, I'm like a good solid, you know, D plus student. Anybody else? Where are my straight A students? Anybody here? Yeah, we don't like y'all very much at all. We don't. You're always breaking the curve, making us look anyway. But no, listen, there's going to be a final test in heaven. And I need you to understand, like, I never was really a great test taker other than science. If it was science, I'd not even study and kill it. But all the rest of it, um, I took genetics at Florida State University from a guy who won the Nobel Peace Prize in genetics. And he was German and had such a thick German accent, we understood nothing. We would record it, play it back, and you still couldn't understand what he was saying. But I had a midterm and a final. That was it. Five genetics questions. Paragraph on the top of the page and a blank page. Five pages. You pick three. He grades those three. Okay, so I, I, did, I, I did fantastic. I pulled a D- out of that class. 
Um, and, and so I was just glad to get out, right? I mean, the, the reality of taking tests is a struggle. So then I figured out, I joined a fraternity. Great idea. It's a fantastic idea um, for a young man trying to figure out who he is. It's a great idea to get into a fraternity because they do so many great service things for the community. And um, that's what we told everybody. Anyway, but one of the things I did learn was in the basement of the fraternity, you know what we had? We had this big file cabinet, two of them. And every time somebody took a test at the university, they would put them in the file cabinet. So you could go in and look by professor, you could look up their old tests, right? All of a sudden I got really good at test taking, okay? And so here's what I want to do. Here's what I would like to do this morning. I want to help you sort of cheat on your heavenly exam. That's what I'm going to do because here's what's going to happen. There's going to be two questions. It's just going to be two questions. On the final exam in heaven, and I'm not only going to tell you the question, I'm going to give you the answers. How about that? Is that a deal today? Okay, so I'm going to give you those and, and, and help you understand. Here's, here's what the first question is going to be. What did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with my son, Jesus? That's going to be exam question number one. When we stand before God, when we have eternal judgment, everybody stands before God and goes through judgment. And there are two judgments. We'll talk about that in just a second. But there are two judgments that, that we'll go through. We're going to stand before him and he's going to ask, what did you do with my son, Jesus? And so many people struggle with the concept of hell. And I need you to understand that hell was not created for people. Hell was created for Satan, Right. And, and hell is just a place where you can choose to pay for your own sins. See, everybody's going to pay for their sins. Everybody's going to pay for that in the end. And you can choose to pay for your own or you can surrender your life to Jesus Christ and have your sins paid for. Right? Listen to this in, in Revelation 20. Let me give you the, the picture of this. Then I saw a great white throne. This is that judgment. And he who's seated on it, the earth and the heaven fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before him. I got this picture. I was standing in Publix the other day trying to get a pub sub. And you know, they do like now serving number 47. Um, like I picture this whole group of people and, and like it's your turn to step up in front of the throne. He saw the, the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Books. Do you see, see that in plural? Books were opened. So this is one set of books. We're going to talk through that a little bit. And then another book was opened. So there was books and then there was a book. The second book is called the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Let me tell you what the books are. The very first book are books. Because you know what is in that book? Everything you've ever done. Isn't that exciting? How many of you are like me? Like I have this picture of when it says books from Mike Matheny. Like there's going to be shelves. Right? Like, like the, the idea of the things that I've done and said and who I've been. But, but all that stuff's going to be there. But then it says another book is going to open. This other book is called the Lamb's Book of Life. Here's what's so crazy about this. They're going to look at all these books and they're going to go, whoa, okay, they needed some extra help to roll in all of Mike's shelves and all my books, right? And then they're going to go over here and they're going to check the other book and they're looking in the Lamb's Book of Life. And they're going to go, oh yeah, he's in here. His name is in here. And then they're going to walk over and pull this book off the shelf and when they open the book, there's nothing inside of it anymore. Because when you have Jesus, when he takes away your sins, he erases it all. 
He erases that scenario. So that, that's one of the final exams that we're going to have is, is what did you do with my son? And you know what's amazing about this particular scenario is it's grace. It's just, it's grace. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You, you can't go to enough services. You can't do enough Sunday school classes. You can't watch enough things on right, uh, right now media. You, you can't do anything. It is surely because God says, I love you and want relationship with you. And if you will choose to have relationship with me, I want to put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life so that when we go back to the bookshelf over here, it's all empty and all erased. Right? Matthew 7 and 21. But catch this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we did not, didn't we not prophesy? Didn't I go to church? Didn't I go to Sunday school? Didn't I go out there all day long and stir chili at the chili cook-off yesterday, God? Didn't I do all these things for the church and for you and all this kind of stuff? Listen. In your name, we drove out demons. We performed miracles. Then he will tell them plainly, I, I never knew you. I never knew you. So the answer to the question, to help you with the exam, the answer to this particular question, what did you do with my son Jesus, is I knew him personally. Not I knew of him. Not I used to go and listen to a pastor talk about him. Right? But that I knew him personally. I took time to get to know this God who sometimes is kind of a struggle to get to know because sometimes when I read his word, I have a hard time understanding. Sometimes when I pray, I kind of feel like, is he even really there? And I I struggle, but I push in to have a personal relationship with him. That, that, that I knew him. I knew him, relationship, not knowledge of. So the first, ju- the first judgment determines your place in eternity. The second judgment, listen to me, is about what you do here on earth. The second judgment is about what you do here on earth. And here's the question. Question number two of the exam that you're going to have in heaven. It'll be something like this. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? Because if God is the creator of the universe and he's sovereign over all things, then anything and everything you have right now in your possession is only because he has given it to you. You have that job not because you have the skills and you're so smart within yourself. God gave you that personality. And he gave you those parents that drove you to go to school and do a good job. And, and, and he gave you something inside of you, the willpower to do and to work hard and to get to where you are. He has given us everything. Take a deep breath. Let it out. Only because God let you. Right? Only because God lets us. Right? So he's going to ask you this question. What did you do with what I gave you? Second Corinthians 5 and 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body whether good or bad. So there's two judgments. Do you see the exam that we're going to go through? Two questions, right? What did you do with my son? Right? I knew him personally. Okay. Now, what did you do with what I gave you? This is our struggle in the Christian world with something called works. Like, is Christianity a works religion? Do you have to work to be a Christian? And the answer is absolutely yes. 
Do you have to work to be saved? No, that's grace. But are we going to stand before God and give an account for what we do with our time and how we spend what he has given us? Absolutely. What does that mean? Well, that means the next time you get a raise, the first question is, hey, God, what did you want me to do with this? The, the, the next time that you have an opportunity to receive something, somebody gives you something, the question is, God, what do you mean for me to do with this? Whether it be your car. I used to have this big old Suburban. Some of you guys remember years back, I had a big old Suburban. I drove around forever. 278,000 miles I got on that thing. I love that big old thing. We called it Tank. And I have driven Tank, I don't know how many times, to youth events and acquire the fires and blah, 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 right? But I remember some guy at the church and he was trying to be nice. I know he was trying to be nice. Um, but he was like, Pastor Mike, you need to stop using your personal vehicle for church stuff. Because you're wearing your tires out and you're getting too many miles on it. And I, and I can remember just like, thank you, kind of, but shut up. Like, it like was my thought process. You, you know what I mean? Because No, because I thought, well, why do I have this thing? What, like, why do you have the cars you have? Why do, why do you have the house you have? Why, why, do you, why do you have that stuff? And it's so easy for the, the enemy of our souls to blind us and make us think, well, because I did it. Right? I'm big and bad and it's all about me and I worked hard and I did and I and I and I and I. Instead of acknowledging the creator of the universe. Come on somebody, he didn't put you in Peru. I saw poverty in Peru. I saw the little lady that we talked about where she lost her dentures. She lived in a house that was, you could see through the floor down to the muck. Right? So why, why is it that God has placed us here in this place for such a time as this? Because we have a responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. Right? To whom much is given. And, and I need you to hear something that so many people are, are we're going to struggle with just a little bit, but you're rich. You're rich. I'm going to come back to that in a second. Let me read this. Matthew 16 and 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in the Father's glory with his angels. Jesus is coming back, somebody. That was pitiful for, you know, for a bunch of Christians. Jesus is coming back, yes? Yes, okay. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. So when we get that exam question number two, what did you do with what I gave you? Here's the answer. I gave my life away. I gave my life away. See, once you surrender your life to Jesus, everything is about Him. Making Him known, serving Him, and fulfilling His purposes. That is the mindset of a follower of Jesus. That is the mindset of a true disciple. In other words, we are motivated by eternity. Not motivated by the problems of this life. Do you see what I'm saying? Like if I'm focused on my problems and my struggles, my problems, they, that, that becomes my identity. Come on, anybody ever poor mouth? I've poor mouthed. Yeah, I don't, my car's this and, you know, I don't have that, right? And we whine and waller. Anybody ever whined and wallered? Isn't it so much fun to be around a whine and waller? Nobody likes that, 
right? And the reality, but, but what happens is we get blinded by the enemy of our soul who's trying to derail our life away from the purposes that God has for us and just get us to focus on the cockapoo-poo, right? Everybody's got cockapoo-poo. Everybody. Everybody's got stuff. I've said it to you before. One of the greatest pieces of advice that has ever been given to me. I was poor mouthing. I was out at South Point and the youth pastor and things were going well. I don't know why. You know, probably had a hangnail. First world problems, right? Where's my phone charger? Whatever. Like weenie stuff that we complain about. And I was complaining to a guy and he looked at me and he goes, you know that whole grass is always greener on the other side? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what do you think it takes for that grass to grow? He said a bunch of bull crap, but he didn't say it like that. He said it a little different. He said, why don't you work your bull crap long enough for the grass to grow where you are? I never forgot that moment. And I never will for the rest of my life. Are you focused on the stuff? Or are you focused on what the stuff can produce? Because God is doing something right where you are. Right in your struggles to take you towards the purposes and that he has for you. We have to be motivated by eternity. Ecclesiastes 3 and 11. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Think of something ugly right now in your life. Think of something ugly right now in your life. That wasn't hard, was it? Listen to me. Now let me read that verse again. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has made everything beautiful in his time and he has also set eternity in human hearts that we are motivated by eternity. Why is it that secular um, sociologists would come up with this idea of transcendence is the highest? Because God planted that in our hearts. Because whether you believe in God or not, it doesn't matter. It's there. Eternity has been planted in your heart. There's something inside of you that knows There's something more. It's what keeps us searching. It's what keeps us looking. It's what drives scientists batty, right? As they're trying to solve things without God, but they're trying to fill a hole that God put inside of them that is eternity. Let's talk about being motivated by eternity. I want to give you three points, and I'm going to do this quick so we can close. First, number one, I will intentionally give what I have. All right, so if I'm going to help you pass the test, Not only do I need to give you the answer, I need to give you some things to do now so that when you get there that you're ready to pass the test. Does that make sense? So I will intentionally give what I have. Well, pastor, I don't have that much. You remember last, I think it was last week, we talked about the widow and the oil. What do you have in your house? Nothing. Right? How many of us, poor mouth and, you know, I say you're rich and you're like, whatever. Listen to me, you have something. Anybody here got a thumb? You got a thumb? You got two thumbs. Everybody here got two thumbs. Guess what? You could text somebody an encouraging message. And be intentional. Does anybody here have social media? Let me ask you, how are you using it? Could you use it to benefit? Stop getting into all the... Come on, y'all. I'll be so glad when I'm praying Jesus comes back before the election. Anybody else? <laughs> right? We're so silly and crazy with the stuff. Listen to me. Don't get sucked into the threads and the silliness and all that madness. Speak life on your social media. Right? Be intentional about the way you're using that. Let me ask you, where are you investing the talent you have? I don't have any talent. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. No, you may not have 
what it takes to be Aaron and come up here and lead worship. You may not have the stage talents. Do you understand the stage talents? The ones that are up front that everybody looks at and goes, oh, I was kind of like that. Oh, I was cool as Aaron. Wearing a V-neck and his cool hair. Right? This is what we do. We look at each other and we go, I wish I, no, 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 no. Listen to me. God has given you talents. You just haven't looked at them as talents yet. Do you understand? Almost nobody ever sees Lizzie. <laughs> Lizzie really does kind of hide, right? She's amazing, unbelievable talent. She is so stinking organized. Like, I will go to think something. Like, you know, I need to call and make an appointment. I'm thinking it in my head, and Lizzie will go, Hey, Pastor Mike, I called yesterday and made an appointment with Sansa for you. There's a talent there, but it's not something that everybody's going to see. Listen to me. You have something inside of you to give. Where does God want you to use your talents? What does God want me to do with the raise I just got? What does God want me to do with my home, my car? Listen, you are rich. You take the poorest person in the room and you're still in the top 1% of the world. To whom much is given, much is required. And we will give an account for what we do and how we do it. Take a smaller house so you can do more with the money. Downgrade the car. Stop chasing the American dream just to get more toys. You know that whole bumper sticker? He who dies with the most toy wins. Right? That is such a message straight from the depths of hell to try to suck you into something of focusing on this world and not on eternity. And not what it is. God is going to reward us. And, and, And do you know how long eternity is? Me either. It's awesome. It's forever. But I do know that I don't have that much longer on this earth. In February, I turned 50. So I'm figuring I got like six, seven years left or something, right? I'm old, right? I'm kidding. It's a joke. But listen to me. If it happened, it'd be great. Why? Because I'm excited to see Jesus. Because the point is eternity. The point is not here. The point is for us to use each and every day to point others to eternity and to get to that place that when we stand before him, you know, some people are going to get there and, and God's going to look and go, wow, well done, good and faithful servant. Man, don't you want to hear those words? As opposed to, well, you're done. The reality of what it means to focus on your rich, 1 Corinthians 9 and 11, you will be made rich in every way. You, this is, this is about you. You will be made rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So I want to give you a couple challenges in that. Let me give you a couple very practical, real challenges in that. Alright? Not very often do I talk about money, but I'm going to talk about it for just a second. If that freaks you out, just go, nah, 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 loud enough not to bother your neighbor. Alright? But I'm going to challenge you, listen to me, be an intentional giver. And when I say an intentional giver, I mean a percentage giver, right? If you're going to do 10%, give the tithe and that kind of thing. But be an intentional giver, not because God needs your money and not because we're doing bad. Church is doing fantastic. But because you need to have an intentionality in your relationship with God. And that's the place where we do it. That's why people get so wacky when we start talking about money. Right? Because money, that, whoa, hey, you can talk about a lot of things, but don't talk about politics and don't talk about money. 
No, we need to talk about both in church because God has a lot to say about the reality and what that means about our heart. Be an intentional giver. And the second one is acts of kindness. So I've got something the ushers are going to bring to you. And we made some acts of kindness cards for you. Okay? So I want you to be intentional. I want you to be intentional. So we've got these cards. On the one side it says, something extra to show you God loves you. And on the back it says, and so do we, Church of the Lakes. Here's what I want you to do. When you go to lunch today... Or when you serve somebody this week, I want you to give them a card. Now listen, if you go to lunch and you leave like a 5% tip, do not put one of these cards down. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Right? If you're going to put a card down, then leave a honking hit tip. You know what a honking tip is? Do you understand what a honking tip is? Not just some little thing, but a honking tip. To say, I want to bless you. I want to do something for you. And so these are acts of kindness cards. Because I just want to prompt you. Why? Because I want you to do well on the final exam. I want when you stand before God for him to go, you remember that time that you gave that 20 bucks to that waitress? Let me tell you the rest of the story, (laughs) right? Let me tell you the rest of what happened. And so take a few of these cards, take a couple of them, put them in your wallet, put them in your pocket, put it somewhere where you're going to actually intentionally serve somebody over the next couple of days. All right. All right. While y'all are still passing that, I'm going to keep moving. Number two, number two, I will intentionally serve others, right? Listen to me. If you're new here to Church of the Lakes and you're like, I just need a breath. I just need to take a breath from life. I just left a weird situation or whatever. Please take some time. You are welcome to do that. But for those of you who have been here for a while, you need to serve. You need to be a part. You need to have a role to play, right? My job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, not Mike does all the ministry. This is for you. It's for the health of you. And you go, but my time and all this and everything. Listen to me. When you stand before God on that final exam, he's not going to ask you about whether or not the kids were good. And, and, and if you had them signed up for soccer, <laughs> right? Come on. Some of us are, we are so focused on this world that we have our schedules jam packed because we're trying to get everything out of life that we can. And what is that focus? That's focused on this earth and not on eternity. Can I challenge you? Sunday is God's day. Come to church. Now I know I'm preaching to the choir, but maybe somebody watching online will hear this. Right? Let me challenge you to get in a small group. Yeah, but you don't understand. I've got this and that and this and that. Okay. Then quit those things. Then quit those things. Like, like I, 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 today is my day to be pastor. Step on your toes a little bit. And kind of push you because I want to push you towards who it is. I want one day to stand there in the back of the line and like I'm number 49 and you're number 44 and you get called now serving number 44 and they step up and they look at the book and your name's in the book of life and they look at your books and they're empty and he goes, oh my gosh, now let me show you this book of all this stuff that you did. And let me reward you according to what it is. We don't do it just for the rewards, but hey, rewards are nice, right? Right? The reality, aren't you grateful? Listen, aren't you grateful for a God? Because he could just say, what are you talking about? I gave you the cross and I gave you eternal life. I don't owe you anymore. But isn't it amazing that we have a God who says, you know what? I'm going to pay back everything that you do. That, like we should break into a worship song right there. Right? What a good God. What a, I mean, what a crazy, crazy good God. Matthew 20 and 26. Whoever wants to be become great among you must be your servant whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the son of man did not come to serve 
but to, but to, uh, to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me just tell you a couple things that are going on that are just amazing. You guys know The Rock? We've talked about The Rock and the whole program that's going on there. We're one month in. We've been doing this for one month. We had pre-opened and done a soft opening, so technically it's about two months. 228 students have come through The Rock in that time period. 228 students that have gotten deodorant or feminine products or come in and gotten some kind of clothes and gotten back into class and doing, and we're already seeing effect of behavior. The FCA group, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, is meeting in the rock now. I mean, what is God doing? But it's just that little bit. Miss Charlotte comes and serves on Monday. So grateful for her being faithful and doing that scenario, right? And a lot of times she's sitting there waiting until the knock comes. And then it's some kid that, you know what, um, yeah, they sent me down here because I'm not in dress code. Okay, cool, let's find you a t-shirt. Let's find you something. And just that little bit of moment to love on a kid and put him back into class. What kind of an effect that has way down the line on our community because people have stayed in school and done these, right? The, listen to me, you don't have to sing on the worship team. You don't have to be a leader of anything. You just got to find a place where you intentionally serve and love on other people. And I promise you, God will multiply that. Right? We, we've got this, we've got this Americanized version of what it means to serve. Like I've got to develop a whole ministry and a business plan. And, no, 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 no. Just, just go love your neighbor this afternoon. Like, like football's football. Nobody wants to watch football right now. Stupid Seminoles. But anyway. Gators lost too. <laughs> but anyway, listen to me, listen. How much is it going to matter whether you know all the stats of the football game after the final exam? Or how much would it matter if I said, I don't need to watch this game right now. I need to go next door and talk to that, that shut-in who's, who lives by themselves and nobody ever visits. Like one of the things, my wife dogs me so much because I'm like always doing something yes to this and yes to that. And I'm always somewhere. Yesterday I was chili cook off all day and I did a funeral yesterday. I'm doing a funeral this afternoon. But you know what I'm really excited about? Yeti, my dog Yeti. If you've seen Yeti, he's ginormous. He's like 130 pounds, big old furry ball thing. And he's solid white. And so anywhere we go, people are like, oh my God, your dog's beautiful. And so it hit me. I need to make Yeti a therapy dog. So I called and I'm going to figure out, I've already talked to somebody about being able to get like certified where I can take him down to the nursing home or take him to the children's. And my wife said, when exactly are you going to do this, Mr. Matheny? Right. And I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to make it happen. And I want so badly for you to find this drive inside of you, this motivation towards eternity. Listen, you can sleep when you're dead. Come on, somebody. Like there's work for us to do. There are people that are hurting. There are people that need a touch. And we're sitting around on a couch watching some sweaty men tackle each other. Think that through. But anyway, I'll leave that alone. But you understand like, like that we would get motivated by eternity. That we would get motivated and remember, man, one day I'm going to live in eternity and I've only got a certain amount of time that, that instead of me squeezing the life out of this and in the amount of things I can collect of this earth, that I would squeeze out of this life the amount of people I can love and affect and see in eternity because of some silly little small act that we do, right? Love Week's coming in February. We'll be serving and doing those things in February. I got to move. We're opening a teen center 
We've already got the building. I'm going to be telling you more about that. Some of you are going to want to come and sit and serve with teenagers. And even when I say teenagers, that makes your butt pucker. But you're going to be there. You'll see. All right. Number three. Number three. I will intentionally, I'm going to close with this. I will intentionally share Christ. I will intentionally share Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Did you hear that? Listen to me. God is making his appeal to this earth through you. Are you opening your mouth? Because you are plan A and there is no plan B. So let me ask you. Is the appeal being made to your neighbors? Because it's on you. It's on me. Is the appeal being made to Leesburg, Lake County, Florida, to the ends of the earth and Peru? Only if we open our mouth. Right? We, we have to intentionally share. Luke 14 and 23. Go out into the country and urge anyone you can find to come in so that my house will be full. I don't always like full. How about somebody else? I like to have some elbow room. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Like you get to the point where you're like, you know, I, you want to put your stuff down or whatever. Um, I'm going to offend somebody this one, but that's okay. Uh, you like you go to the movies with three guys. You don't sit next to each other. I'm not going to say what you call that seat. But anyway, but the, the, but the reality, that, 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 like we, uh, but, but that's not what God says. God says, I want my house to be full. Why do we want to fill this auditorium? Not so we can be the biggest and baddest church around, but because we need to reach people. That is our job, right? It is, it is our job to be intentional. Mark 16 and 15, Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Let me close with this. Why would we do this? First Timothy 6 and 17. Paul writes a letter to a young pastor named Timothy. Right? He's a young pastor. He's probably a lot younger than me. And he's pastoring a church. And Paul writes him these words. So if you will, it would be kind of like a letter that's written to me. To then turn around and talk to you. First Timothy 6 and 17. Paul says to him, command, not ask. Command those who are rich in this present world, hey, because I want to acknowledge there's another one. I want to acknowledge there's an eternity with that little final exam thing in between. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. It's okay to enjoy stuff, right? We're not preaching a whole, you know, you have to give up everything and be a martyr and live in sackcloth and ashes. And no, 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 to enjoy. But listen, but command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. To be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves. What's the word there? Legacy. Legacy. They will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let me say it to you this way, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. There is more to this life than this life. There is more to this life than this life. Aaron, if you would come and, and play for us, we're going to transition into a time of, of response. 
And I want you to respond today, okay? If it's your first time here and you want to fill out one of those connect cards, that's great. And drop it in the box. When you leave, you can drop your offerings in the box. But just for the next few moments, I'm going to ask you to respond. And so we've got a prayer team. They're going to come up front. Prayer team, you guys can come on down. But let me give you some thoughts of how you can respond today to today's message. I want to give you some very practical realities. One is just to get in that connection card. And maybe today you, you, you have a prayer request that you need some help with and you'd write on there and say, uh, you know, I just need some help with that. And maybe come forward and pray with somebody. Maybe today you need to come to Life Steps and take the next steps into what it is that God has called you to do. And, and I promise you, we'll take 45 minutes, we'll get you out of here, but it'll be worth every minute for you to come and do that. Maybe a response for you today. One response we have today is, is to give based on what we've heard. Oh my gosh, it's all yours, God. Of course I give back to you. Another one is just for you to come down here and you might pray with someone to surrender your life, to stand in the gap for someone else who is not here or hurting Maybe you need to come down and say, hey, here's a name. Would you pray with me and let us agree together for this person's life? Or you, maybe you need to come down and ask for healing. And then, of course, I gave you random acts of kindness cards so you could invest in people. These are ways that, for us to respond today. Here's what I believe is missing in the church in America today. We come and we listen to a message and we go, that was good, pastor. That was so good. That was inspiring. Now we can beat the Baptist to Oakwood. That's not the point. The point is for us to respond. The point is for us to take a next step. So what is that next step for you? I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, then I want you to respond. And you can respond by taking your giving and heading out and going to pick up your kids. You can respond by coming and praying with someone. But I want you to really take a moment and think, what is my response? What is the Holy Spirit saying to me today? And then be bold enough and courageous enough to do whatever you feel like you're supposed to do in response. Does that make sense? Let me pray for you and then let's do that. Father God, thank you for your word today and this reminder of being motivated by eternity. Being motivated by, by you and your purposes and your calling on each one of our lives. God, I pray for anybody here today who's battling with that. It's their insecurities. It's their fears. It's words of death that have been spoken over them to say that they don't matter or they would never matter or do anything of significance. And that is a lie. And I speak to their soul today and say, stand up and be who God's called you to be. And so would you give us courage in the next few moments to respond to you and surrender to whatever you want us to do in this moment. We choose you, Jesus. Amen.